Hello, and welcome to the Upper Bowl GM Podcast. My name is Nick Zoraris. Busy, busy times as a sports fan. Football, stretch run here, folks. Wildcard weekend, going to be a lot of fun. Going to have some football stuff later on in the week here on the podcast. Something's going up on Gotham SN, most likely tomorrow, Wednesday during the day, ranking the playoff contenders, where I went through a bunch of different analytics writers stuff to try and find some stats to tell you a little bit more about these teams, a key stat for each of them, something along those lines. Next week, though, no, got a little hockey next week. And naturally, I had to start looking around for guests to come talk about teams that the Rangers, my beloved New York Rangers, who torture me and keep me up at night thinking about why they signed Jack Johnson on the first day of free agency, those New York Rangers who they're going to be playing in this modified schedule where they're only going to be playing teams in a the Eastern hub, where they broke up the league into four divisions. They broke them up for this year, where the Rangers are going to be playing the Sabres, the Bruins, the Devils, the Islanders, the Flyers, the Capitals, and the Penguins. Those are the eight teams in the Eastern division. Uh, the Islanders, who are... The subject of today's episode featuring my boss from Gotham, Ethan Levy, who is equal parts chaotic and equal parts pretty relatable, where I'm not an Islander fan. I don't genuinely, I genuinely dislike the Islanders as an organization and a lot of what the Long Island culture they represent stands for. Ethan and I had a great time yucking it up about how stupid hockey is. We understand each other a lot and it made for a good conversation. Before I throw throw it over there on the other side of the very, very retro drop I had to go and find because Ethan talked about this play and Ethan's a few years older than me and I didn't know this play existed because I'm not up on my Islanders history, especially from the early 2000s from when, you know, I was like six years old. So before I get there, got to remind everyone to be keeping up, producing a lot more content, a lot of stuff to be talking about, a lot of stuff to be writing about. This podcast is available on every single podcasting platform. Share it. Leave a comment. Subscribe. Please subscribe. Unsubscribe. Resubscribe. Please leave a review. Leave a comment in your review. Don't just leave five stars if you're on iTunes. It'd be nice. Make me me feel a little more accomplished for the amount of work I'm putting in to do this on my really, really beat up laptop that takes like, you know, 40 minutes to edit everything together, even though I'm just like basic laying out things in audition yeah this is a lot of fun i'll see you guys on the other side of the drop with ethan uh i'm not saying go islanders uh let's go rangers oh here he comes penalty shot for Bates. and with that i welcome on my boss at gotham the host of MYG Weekly, the former host of the Obstructed Views podcast. How are we doing, Ethan? Maybe future host of the Obstructed Views podcast. That is uh, still <laughs> up in the air, as it has been for three years. But I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. We we are both in the same boat where we're just kind of staring at the wall all night, thinking about how miserably bad the Giants are and how yep. it's never going to get better. But hockey's back next week. So at yes. least we've got something, something to look forward to. Yeah. Uh, definitely need the distraction, although it's weird. I feel like I'm not too excited for the upcoming season, 
I don't know if it's because the offseason was so weird and we didn't have much news until like a week and a half ago, it feels like. But and between that and the division realignment, I'm really just don't know what to expect. I have very low expectations for my Islanders. I, I don't really, I feel like this is sort of a very good situation for your Rangers team to be in where you're sort of like that scrappy underdog that has a lot of young offensive potential getting thrown into the gauntlet of what this division's going to be. Um, but yeah, I'm, I really just don't know what to expect. I, the Rangers are the young and dumb team who don't know any better. And they're going to, exactly. they're going to be in a lot of five to four, six to five games. Yes. They can't play any defense, but they can score. So it's funny that you said that about the Islanders, because I remember during the regular season last year, prior to the pause, just you and Duffy constantly being like, this team is miserable. They're so yep. bad. They're so bad. Like people forget they were on that losing streak before the pause. Like I bet them to beat the senators money line in a parlay. Like this is the last leg. The, the senators are the worst team in the history yep. of hockey. And yeah, the Islanders just weren't a hockey team. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, the overall theme with them. It's, it's tough. The, the COVID was really a godsend for the team because without it, I think that there's fairly legitimate shot. They don't even make the playoffs. Um, with the way the roster is constructed, I don't want to say I'd almost rather be the young, dumb team the Rangers are because the Islanders were that exact team. I think it was Tavares's last year where they, yep. where Gar Snow was the coach and they played literally no defense and were winning games six to five, losing them, you know, they goalie standing on his head. So, yeah, I mean, this team, they're good. Don't get me wrong. On paper, they're good. The problem is it is increasingly becoming a league dominated by speed, skill. And I don't want to say that there's no room for that gritty enforcer because you need to fill out rosters. And the better those gritty enforcers are, the better your overall roster is going to be. And the Islanders have had one of the best fourth lines in the NHL over the last two or three years. They lead, you know, they've either had Clutterbuck, Martin, or Sezikis leading the league in hits. Sezikis, honestly, is probably a, a third line center, not a fourth line center. Clutterbuck, very underrated wrist shot, as we like to joke about yeah. for, for the Islanders. But then you look at what they're doing, and the rumor has it now, it's being reported that they're going to bring back Matt Martin on a four year contract, which is basically like a a retirement gift. That's the kind of old school mentality that is going to sink the Islanders. I don't think they're going to be in as bad of a cap hell as people seem to think because we have the expansion draft coming up. It's a flat cap this year. It'll go up in the future, but their window is very, very narrow, especially considering they don't have any up and coming prospects in the pipeline that people are excited about. The jury is still out on bellows with the, lack of scoring talent this team has for someone like Bellows to not have cracked the NHL roster, especially in a season as weird as last one was. Same thing with uh, Ollie Wally. We don't know if Wallstrom's going to be able to make the leap this year, but it would be a very welcome change and having that young, fast, skilled score on like, call it the third line, that would be great. But again, Barzell still needs to be signed. Anders Lee is good he's the captain love the guy but he is not he is the opposite he's the antithesis of the direction the league is going is that big body you just sit out in front Eberle's getting up there in age and goes through scoring droughts Brock Nelson is the most frustrating player on the, the Islanders have had in the last 10 years he'll score 15 goals in a month and then disappear for two months they just don't have like 
the Panarin. They don't have the Ovechkin. And to be honest, Brock Nelson played very well last year, but they don't have that dynamic one-two punch at the center position, first line, second line, that you see with a lot of dominant teams. When the Islanders were scoring five or six goals a game, like we were just talking about a few years ago, that's when they had Tavares and Barzell as the one-two. Um, you don't really have that with the team, and it's sort of worrisome. But Barry Trotz sort of knows how to cure all, so that seems to be like the trump card here. It's one of those funny things because coaches in hockey really don't seem to have that much of a variance. Aside from Trotz, he's the only one who seems to do things dramatically different and gets very different results. Because you often say the coaching carousel in the NHL is the most preposterous thing ever. Yes. It's 35 guys for 31 jobs. <laughs> and there's no, there's no other guys who come in. There's no new blood ever. Ever. Yeah, it's the same rotation over and over. Oh, this guy's interviewing for the Minnesota Wild job. Oh, he's been with the the Blues. He's been with the Bruins. He's been. It's like it's sort of a joke. Um, you know, we I think we we've had this conversation. We we used to joke about how the NFL coaching carousel is a bit ridiculous. But honestly, like give credit where credit's due. In the NFL, like a lot of these organizations are always looking for that hot new thing, that hot college coach, you know, the, the next Cliff Kingsbury, the next Sean McVay, everyone's looking for that new hot thing. The NHL cannot be farther from the truth. Like, honestly, the most radical thing that's happened has been the Rangers bringing in Quinn from the college circuit. Like yeah. other than that, it's really just a, an old, old men's club. Yeah. And it's the same guys over and over again. Cause these guys, the nepotism in hockey is just preposterous where everybody yeah. knows everybody and it's why the league is reported on the way it is because, you know, none of the insiders want to offend any of their friends. The agents just call up the insiders and they're like, this is what we're looking for. This is what they're offering. Make it sound a little bit worse than it is. And you end up with situations like what Marner had with the Leafs two years ago, where yep. it was just every single day, Elliot Friedman tweeting, well, we don't know what's going to happen here. Both sides are pretty far apart. Like, it, what are you doing? That's not your job. Chef, it's not the contract. Yeah. Yeah, Shams would have known what he had for breakfast after he signed the contract. Like, it's not, it's really a joke. Yeah. So let's peel it back a little bit and go back to where the origin of your Islander psychosis stems from. Huh. What, is, what is your earliest Islanders memory? Ooh, honestly, probably the Bates penalty shot, which I think is 2002, maybe. So I would have been nine years old. Uh I was there. I was in the building for that one. I distinctly remember sitting there, my dad, my friend, my friend's dad, section 303, being so short. I was literally standing on my seat as Bates went in to take the shot and uh, place almost collapsed. So definitely, I would say that's probably my earliest memory. So definitely a family thing. This wasn't just a, you stumbled into this and then you're oh, like, no. dad, yeah. No, no, I'm not that stupid. I'm just that, I'm just that unlucky. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a big believer you should adopt your, your fandom from your parents, unless your parents aren't fans, then go nuts because you have the freedom not to be miserable, unlike us. Yeah. Because so, Islander fans, for all of the idiots on Twitter who just, the mouth breather hockey fan is just the, the worst we both hate the please like my sport people yeah. more than anything in the world but i used to sort of be one of them honestly like i i, I used to be the guy like oh yeah joe thornton played the played in the playoffs with a torn acl like lebron's cramping so you know 
there's hope. There's hope. If you're one of those please like my sport people, there's hope. It's not too late to come over to the rational side. Yeah, because we we both look at things a lot the same way because we both go through the same psychosis with our teams, and it makes for it makes for hockey to seem like the be all end all, especially because for Islander fans, the Islanders is the Long Island identity, and it's one of those things that's hard to explain to people who aren't from the tri-state area or even people from my area, like 40 minutes north of the city where it's like, why do people care so much? I'm like, that's their, that's all they got. That's the one uniquely Long Island thing that isn't Billy Joel. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. It's Billy Joel and the Islanders. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you show up to the game. Everyone, everyone is like a white 40 year old wearing really bad jeans, really bad sneakers probably wearing an orange Yashin jersey and driving like a 10-year-old pickup truck. Like that's that's the the type of fan base you're getting when you show up to Nassau Coliseum. It's I I want to say I wish everybody could experience that just once cuz I've been to the Coliseum a couple of times and it's just so colorful. It's like going into a time machine cuz everyone there is just it's literally like the 80s never ended. It's yep. everybody who grew up with the Islander dynasty just missing that era and just obsessing like man we really had all of these guys we really had mike bossy we really had dennis potman like yeah that's that's yeah to their credit it's like it's white trash but it's the good (laughs) it's the good part of white trash yes yeah yes Yes. so kudos i guess to my fan base because they're going to end up at belmont some point next what to next year right uh, uh, 2022 is going to be yeah. the first year. So it's going to be lost to the arrows. The Coliseum, I mean, I just think about all of the the crazy, crazy games. I think about the Islander fans throwing the rubber snakes at Tavares. <laughs> which, that seems like 10 years ago now. I know. Yeah, I mean, you're not one of those Islander fans. You kind of approach it from a rational perspective of, I come in with low expectations. They pleasantly surprise me every now and then. And it makes for, it makes for a less stressful experience. Yes, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, the Tavares thing, definitely one of those fans. I definitely am. (laughs) Like the animosity I have towards that man is never ending. I wish him nothing but the worst, not physically, just for his hockey career. But yeah, you're right. It's it's the only way you survive. You got to have low expectations. It came down to it. Which would be the worst possible outcome for you? A Rangers Islanders playoff series or a Rangers Leafs playoff series? Which would be the, which would torment you more? Oh man. That's tough. Rangers Leafs would be worse. I would say. Yeah. 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 You know, I'd rather be there. Give me a shot. Give me a shot. And it's just to your point, like you just said, you go in with low expectations, you go in thinking you're going to lose. So if the Rangers win, okay, whatever, nothing's really changed. And then you root against the Rangers and everything's good. Having to pick between Tavares and the Rangers, like not just Tavares, like the Leafs are, are, I hated the Leafs since Darcy Tucker's hit on Michael Pekka. Like that's a, that's a, a bloody rivalry that goes back years. Well, before Tavares, he just sort of refueled the fire. So how do you feel about how far the Islanders have come, relatively speaking? Because 
not too long ago they were kind of a I don't want to say a joke, but like the organization was just not well put together. They weren't drafting well. They weren't putting together a competitive team where it was just kind of Tavares was there. They had a Pozo for a while, Matt Molson, that kind of lost era of Islanders hockey to where they are now, where they're not a blue chip contender in the way that Colorado Vegas are, but they're in that next tier down. Yeah, I think you nailed it. And that's like the most frustrating part as a fan is realizing that you're almost there but you're not all the way there. And it's, you don't really know what to attribute it to. It's tough because you can't blame ownership really because ownership flipped over and really started changing the culture, got the new arena done, this, that, and the other thing. Good for Ledecky and Malkin, but bringing Barry Trotz, amazing, probably the best coach in the league, probably the best coach over the last five or six years. Like to me, there's no, no debate. And honestly the best coach in all of New York sports at the moment um it goes not talked about at all it really should get talked about more so he's great but then you look at the fact that they bring an old balls lamarillo just because his fucking son is within the organization already so the, the connection was there so you bring in an old school guy who isn't privy to how the new school gms are, are doing things and shit on toronto all you want but they have a lot of young talent they know how to maneuver the salary cap the islanders just can't seem to figure out how to get savvy like that. Even the Rangers do it to an extent. Um, And then you look at the roster, they still haven't drafted well. Um, It took five fucking years to get Sorokin over here from Russia. They lost Tavares. They got played by Panarin. And that's sort of where you're stuck. Like you got the new ownership, you got the new arena, you got the really good head coach. Your GM is still subpar and you can't lure anyone to the island in free agency. It's... Like you said, you're almost there. It's just very frustrating to know that if you could just get a few people to come here or you could just get a slightly innovative GM, like the Islanders would probably be in like a cup contender every year for the next five years. The pieces they have, I love Bavillier. I hate that he's on the Islanders. Very underrated, yeah. But that's the kind of guy, if you're going to win a cup, that is the guy who's anchoring your second line and he's scoring the goal you need in the big moment. Yep. Like Fitz always says, the 16-game player, you need a guy like him. Yes. It's, and he was a fucking beast in the playoffs for the Islanders. Yeah. So you know he can do it. Yeah. They have an interesting group. I mean, they lose Taze, which sucks, because Devontae's good. Devontae's good. just outright good. But again, like you had said, that goes to the cap problem of they didn't plan far enough ahead. They've kind of been doing year to year. Yeah. Not going out long, not long-term planning the situation out because – their window is within the next year or so. And then you kind of have to take a step back and try and put more pieces in around your younger guys. Cause they have young guys, but no one aside from Barzal, who's just, all right, this guy's ready to go right now. Yeah. They basically need lightning to strike with bellows and Wallstrom. That's really what it is. Like one of those two guys needs to turn out to be a fucking stud because outside of that, like, I don't know, like, are they going to lose draft picks trying to get Seattle to take, Farlamov's contract off their hands or, yeah. or, or Letty's con like the, you know, the, on top of the fact that they're not going to be drafting in the top five or 10, most likely they have absolutely nobody in the draft pipeline yeah. or in the prospect pipeline rather. So yeah, you need like one of these guys to break out. Otherwise you're going to be fucked in two years. Can you explain what happened with Josh Hosang, please? Cause as someone from the outside in, I don't really understand. I'm trying to pick my words very delicately. 
very reasonable because this is a touchy thing that is very, very a real problem in hockey that doesn't yeah. get talked about enough. I know I'm still trying to pick. I'm still trying to pick my words carefully. Okay, so for while Ethan the, is composing his thoughts, the, you go ahead. Yeah, the story I know is that I think it was his first training camp. He showed up late, and that rubbed people the wrong way. And yeah. the Islanders have never really given him a serious chance to sink or swim at the NHL level. That's as far as what I know. Pretty much, yeah, and and that's the gist of it. I would describe jo- Josh as call him a, a very fruity spirit he is like sort of a weirdo like that's the the vibe that i'm getting and i've heard from again like i'm not an insider and i'm source but like uh, all right just a small tangent one of like the most beautiful things about the islanders is there are such they're a big market but they're not a big market because they're in that new york tri-state area like they fucking played in brooklyn Like, they have a very small, dedicated fan base on the island. And, like, there's just never a shot that they were ever moving because they're a New York team. Like, that is going to generate money. And, like, if they're ever good, like, that's going to draw ratings. The community, just on Long Island in general, especially the hockey community, is very tight-knit. From from the local level where you're you're playing in house leagues, you're doing travel hockey, like, everyone knows each other at least loosely. And it trickles all the way up to the professional level. Like, like someone has a friend whose parents are neighbors with Johnny Boychuk or someone who sits next to me at Islander games, their wife is a receptionist in the doctor's office for Barry Trotz. Like that sort of stuff exists in Islanders hockey, at least I think more than anywhere else. And through like those like weird pipelines and connections, like I've heard from like multiple people that I'll say it lightly, Josh Hosang is a quote unquote knucklehead. Like that he's just like a weirdo like something think in one ear out the other like sometimes there's just not much going on between the ears so like to that point like i get it i can understand how that would be frustrating for a coach like especially someone as fucking dumb as capuano or you know like i get it but to just not like guy had first round talent like he would have been drafted way higher in the first round had he not had those character concerns. And at some point, like you said, you have to just let someone like that sink or swim because you don't have many other options for that, call it middle six scoring. And you don't have that offensive depth. You need someone like that to have the, at least the chance to break out. And it's not pigeonholing him away in fucking Bridgeport or letting him sign a deal with the KHL. Like, seriously, just give the kid like, 30 games see what he has because you have nothing to lose you need someone to drive offense it's not Barzell I remember when he came up a couple of years ago he skated very well he's that a great the, skater that was the one thing that really jumped out his spacing wasn't great but he really knew how to get from point a to point b well he was really strong at controlling the puck where he would just you know turn on a dime take it back wait he was really patient but at some point like you said they've got to give him a chance to sink or swim because you don't really have any other options for that middle six. And it's part of the problem they had in the playoffs was they yeah. just needed a depth guy, one, two depth pieces. And they probably could have, I don't want to say they could have beaten Tampa Bay, but they were in that series with Tampa Bay the whole way. They yeah. were giving Tampa Bay a hard time. I mean, they were Brock Nelson deke away from make, from forcing a seventh game. Yeah. So like, yeah, they were in it. And like, 
like you said, like they need those, those depth pieces and there's really no more perfect coach to discipline and teach someone the way than Barry Trotz. So give him a shot. Okay. You mentioned it before I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget it. How much animosity do you have towards Panarin for how last summer went down? Because I know that a lot of Highlander fans are still kind of upset about that. And the please like my hockey Ranger fans are still talking about it. Like it's the first person to make the joke that he took less money to come to the Rangers because, you know, $500,000 is a huge difference. Yeah. Oh, I despise him. I, I hope he never wins a Stanley cup. I hope that he regresses terribly and his contract, even at the discount the Rangers got him at looks terrible. I, I wish him nothing but the worst. Like, like Tavares is here for me. Like Panarin's like gotta be number two. Like, like, I, I don't know why, like a lot of Islanders fans would be like, Oh, I didn't want him anyway. Or like, Oh, well, he's not that good. Are you overpaid? Like, no, like he's really fucking good. He is exactly what the Islanders needed. I legitimately think that with him, the Islanders make it to the Stanley cup and I fucking hate him and I wish him nothing but the worst. And I am absolutely jealous that he went to the Rangers. I have no problem admitting that. I, I despise him. I absolutely despise him for the way that he played the Islanders. I despise Lou Lamarillo for getting played like that. Like you're fucking been in the league for a million years. Like no one you're getting leveraged. And we, you, you're the one who quoted this line. Like the Rangers are more lucky than they are skilled Good. or talent or yeah. And I despise the fact that all these players want to go to Manhattan and do cocaine and go to Nobu and date Instagram models instead <laughs> of wearing poorly fitted jeans and buying a house on Long Island. Like that bothers me. It, it's, I've said this for a while now. The Rangers have lucked out tremendously with guys just wanting to come here. The number of guys who have either leveraged a trade or just come here in free agency for no real reason. I mean, let's not protect. Madison Square Garden is not Madison Square Garden anymore. It is no. just corporate seats. Yeah. It's, it's corporate seats. It's really bad, loud pop music. It's basically like going out to dinner and there's a hockey game going on in the background while yeah. finance bros are hitting on the woman they're with. It's really not like this incredible environment to play hockey in anymore. And yep. it pains me to say that because I remember going to the garden as a kid and it just being like going to a Met or a Yankee game where it's like, there are characters here. There's people here who this is all they care about. I go to Ranger games now, and it's just it's just finance bros, basically. Yep. It's finance bros, and then in the upper deck, it's the more of what you see on Long Island with the, the dads with their kids and the bad jeans and the fake jerseys they bought on Facebook Marketplace, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Dads love Facebook Marketplace jerseys. Love it. Just, that's one of those things that I still don't get as a jersey guy. It's like, that, that looks terrible. That's like, you couldn't splurge for like the $70 fake jersey. You had to get the $25 one. It's not yeah, great. No. It's not great. So it's interesting for me looking in the Islanders at you because I remember charting your mental path through last season. Because <laughs> like, I remember during the regular season, you were like, this team is awful. I don't know what the fuck they're doing. And then midway through the playoffs, you were like, they're going to win the cup. Yeah. They're going to win the cup. They, they, you always keep your expectations low, but at one point, again, that series against the Flyers, they reeled you in. They yes. reeled you in. And what was the turning point for you in the playoffs where it was like, they really might do this? Well, I, th I knew that they were good mm -hmm. to start the season. And then 
the one thing that couldn't afford to happen happened leading up to COVID, which is they had just this ridiculous scoring drought. And then you sort of get ramped up. Who did they get back from injury before, like, because of the bubble? It might have been Taves. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, they get back Taves, sort of just, like, hit the reset button, and then you're going up against the Flyers, who are basically the Islanders, just worse in yeah. terms of, like, their style of play and, like, the personnel they have. Like, they're, oh, we're going to play tough defense. Like, we're going to hit you hard. Like, oh, okay, cool, buddy. Like, that's not going to work against Barry Trotz. Um, and, yeah, you just get, like, all that momentum. You watch how they're playing. You watch how fast they're flying around out there, and you just sort of get that vibe. Like, like you said, I'm never optimistic about my team. I like to think that in both football and hockey, I've got a very good idea of what my teams are capable of, whether like what, like what whether what is happening is a fluke or not. And no, nah, that was that was a contending team. That that was a team that was one piece away from winning a Stanley Cup. How do you feel about them going to get Paggio and then giving him that long-term deal? Because he's always been pretty good, but never like a knockout guaranteed thing. I love it. I mean, the guys, first of all, embodies Long Island hockey. Like that, that video clip of him, like making Brian Boyle flinch. Like that's like, get that tattooed on my face. Like that is like an all time moment. Like you need that kind of like smash mouth tough guy. Who's also skilled enough to score some goals. And he's a very good power play guy, very good penalty kill guy. Like, honestly, just the type of player that Barry Trotz likes. And like we spoke about earlier, it is impossible to get guys to sign here. So, and this is one of the reasons that I will forever, doesn't matter what happens, doesn't matter, like, I think this is especially true for Nick Letty, because yeah. I think the fan base has soured on him over the last couple of years, which I honestly don't think is totally warranted, maybe a little bit. When both of them got traded here and signed those long-term extensions, that was sort of like a turning point for the organization where I think I can't I honestly can't remember who was before or after the Kulin and Grabowski situation where both of them came came over on four-year deals. But to have like two Stanley Cup winning stud defensemen get traded here and then say, okay, fine, I'm gonna spend the next five to seven years of my life here, like buy a house, start a family, like play for this organization. I will forever like respect them, love them. Like they're going to be like some of my favorite Islanders of all time. And like, to me, it's the same thing with Pajot. Like he gets traded here from an absolutely dog shit organization. He's pretty good player. Like just the middle six forward the Islanders need just the special team player the Islanders need. And then on top of that, he's going to sign a long-term extension without even really knowing what the Island is about. Like, dude, sign me up. I love you. That's one advantage the Islanders do have is that, if they get guys in that room, yeah, that, that makes a big difference because yep. it's just different for them in a way. Because Trotz has been through all of this; he's been to multiple Cup finals. He finally won the one with Washington. He's—I I know we say it's only the same thirty-five guys for thirty-one jobs, but when you have the one coach who makes a difference and you have guys who buy into that. The Islanders have a culture and an identity, and not every team has that. And if you get guys who believe in it enough that, okay, I, once I get there, I want to stay here, I think it's something that I don't want to say it's kind of – think of how in basketball a year and a half ago when the Knicks had DeAndre Jordan and he kind of smelled it out before Durant and Kyrie were free agents. Yeah. And he was like, you guys can't come here. This is a shit show. This isn't going to work. 
and they all ended up in Brooklyn together. It's that kind of thing where you yeah. just need one guy who's got enough connections to people from whether it's the national team or junior hockey or whatever, just to be like, this is a good place for us. We could do a lot of great things here because the Islanders are Long Island's team and that community really does rally around it in a way. I, it's almost like it's closer to a college than a professional vibe almost, if you get what yeah. I'm saying, where yeah. this is what people on Long Island live or die for. This is their thing. Like Ar- Artemi Panarin can go into a bagel store in Manhattan and, and no one knows and no one notices. Matt Barzell walks into any establishment in Nassau County He's getting his meal for free. Yeah. Like that's the, the type of community that, that exists. Speaking of Barzell, what is the holdup here? Is it that the Islanders don't have everything in a row so they can pay him right away? Is he being annoying? Does he want term? Does he want more money? What have you heard or read? I haven't really heard much, honestly. Uh, I haven't been following the situation too closely. My assumption is that He's going to sign some sort of short-term deal until the salary cap situation figures itself out because of mm-hmm. COVID. So I'm not worried. He's going to be here. <laughs> he saw what happened to Tavares. I think he he was really pissed. He was one of the few players that actually took it very personally, yeah. especially when Tavares forgot his name during that press conference he did. The kid who won the call there. Yeah. Um, and even like the first few games, the Islanders played the Leafs. Like he was getting chippy out there, like trying to hit Tavares, like beating him up a little bit. So he'll be here. I'm not worried about it. Um, yeah, I think he's, he'll probably sign like a one- or two-year deal until the, uh, the cap situation figures itself out, the expansion draft and all that, and they can finally make some room to make him an Islander for a very long time. You set it up nicely here for me to transition looking forward. So assuming the universe starts to align for everyone, we can start to like, you know, go outside and be around other people again relatively soon. How excited are you for Belmont and just having a new place? Because I know Barclays was just a fiasco pretty much the entire way. And yeah, the Collie is home, but like, it's just going to be nice to have a new place. It's going to be nice to have a place that's built for hockey. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I've been saying this for years, but like, it is legitimately a dream of mine to go to the Belmont Stakes, drink all day, and then go over to the hockey arena to watch an Islanders playoff game. Like, there's nothing better than that uh, outside of the fact that it's going to be like an epicenter of, I don't know, Long Island culture. Like it's going to be like a place people go for concerts. It's going to be a place people will like go like, all right, let's go to Belmont. We're going to go to dinner. Like, I don't know. I just think it's going to be very good for the economy. Um, very good for the Islanders, obviously. And hopefully once it's done, it's sick. And it's going to be like one of the major selling points to getting players here. It does look very cool from the concept arts. It'll be nice that there's finally a Long Island Railroad stop that goes directly there instead of what you have to do to get to the Coliseum, which is annoying. Yeah. And it's not Barclays. Fuck Barclays. Barclays is just horrendous, man. For people who haven't gone to a hockey game at Barclays, the way the stairs and the seats are aligned, the arena is made for basketball. So the angles are all off. It's why you cannot see the ice from the obstructed view section. It's why they have the SUV. I know a lot of people who don't watch hockey have asked me in the past, why do the Islanders have an SUV in the corner at the Barclays Center? Because you can't see from that area. So it's better (laughs) to do that than to have nothing there at all, that kind of thing. Also the Islanders ahead of their time with the sponsorship. Yeah. uh, Given the division. 
I don't get why people I again that's the boomer please like my sport yeah. hockey people. It's just like everything else is sponsored. The power play is sponsored, the penalty kill is sponsored, the rink is sponsored, the ice is sponsored, the boards have sponsors. Are we really getting this upset about a sticker on a helmet? Yes, a we good, absolutely are. <laughs> I want a good sticker. I want a Nobu sticker on the Rangers helmet. What hell yeah. What what would the Islanders one be? You said what was it? The scrapyard? Yeah, the yeah. It's gonna be uh, two brothers scrap metal or uh, or fuck. What's the the commercial? The dog bed bugs. Um, <laughs> where's Roscoe? It's, it's gonna be one of those two. It's gonna be two brothers scrap metal or where's Roscoe? It's gonna be the sponsor on the Islanders helmet. Oh God, it's awful the way hockey fans treat hockey because. For people like us who are just way too invested in it, it's consuming and like life draining. But for all of my friends who casually watch hockey every now and then, they're like, this is really awesome. I should get into this. Then yep. why don't you? Well, I don't know. You're telling me you'd rather watch the Knicks for 82 <laughs> games than try hockey? I'm yeah. even saying be a Ranger fan. Watch the Devils. Watch the, I, I can't even say watch the Devils. Watch right. the Islanders or the Rangers. Yeah. Just dip your toe in. And I think it's tough. I think because it's not mainstream enough, I think a lot of people that want to get into it, it's tough because they don't understand what's going on. They don't understand the strategy, the rules. There really needs to be like a guide. Yeah. Like, like, like what the NFL playoffs would be like putting Drew Brees on Nickelodeon. Yeah. Like they, like they need that for hockey, but they need like, yeah, someone walking people through the basics. It's sad. I've talked about this with Fitz when I had him on a couple of weeks ago. It's just like, no one knows who Connor McDavid is in the United States. Yeah, exactly. If, if he was walking down Fifth Avenue in Manhattan, not a soul would stop him. He would just no, be another just, tall finance bro. Not even. He's too poorly dressed to be a finance bro. <laughs> I forgot <laughs> about that. He was out there with the shoelace belt at the yeah. NHL Awards. That was horrendous. <laughs> Last thing before I get you out of here, because I know you said we, you got to go do MYG Weekly this week, which everyone should be listening to because this should be a yeah. easy episode. Because yeah, well, we, we're, we might do tomorrow actually, just FYI, okay. because we're waiting for the Merrick press conference disaster. But go ahead. Talk to me a little bit about Offside Tavern because I know how much you care about it. I've went there a couple of times. Just what it means to the Islander fans who live in the city, what it means to you. Just give me a little flavor because. It's a special place for people who didn't get to experience it. Yeah, I mean, really, it's home. Like, I can't really put my finger on any other bar or restaurant that I've been to in my, I'll call it my adult life, that has had a staff as friendly, welcoming, and creative as Nick put together at Offsite Tavern. Every single person there was a high five, a hug, uh, giving you the usual cheers type vibe. And people think of it as like a hockey bar. Like, yeah, it's definitely a hockey bar. But what really did them in, in the end, is the fact that they didn't have an after work crowd anymore. I mean, they had trivia on Tuesdays. They had Mario Kart on Mondays. They had concerts going on in the back room. Uh, I don't know, people going for, you know, $5 beers or something like that. So really just like a unique place. Um, I hope that we get a shot at round two if the world ever goes back to normal. I hope the Islanders do the right thing and put an offside tavern in the new arena. I think they'd be really fucking stupid not to. It's something that I legitimately think that there would be people that would go to the Islanders games just to go to offside tavern. Not like, like would spend more time there than they would to watch the game. So, excuse me, coffee burp. Um, 
yeah, I, I really, truly a unique place and I mean, really one of a kind. You don't see many Islanders bars ever, especially in Manhattan. And it, that's what made it unique was it was Collie West was for yeah. people who lived in the city who were Islander fans. It was a gathering place because there are not a ton of hockey fans. You don't see a lot of Ranger, Islander, Devil Hats when you're around in the city. It's not like Yankee Met Hats. Yep. So it's being around people who just kind of feel the same thing. The vibes are crazy. I went the night the Islanders um, knocked out the Penguins. Like, what was that, two years ago in the first yeah. round? Yeah. yeah. So I went there. I bumped into you. I wasn't writing for Gotham yet. That was like the week before the Giants took Daniel Jones. I just looked at you <laughs> and I said, they're going to fucking do it, aren't they? And you Wait, knowing- was that was that you when I was in line at the bathroom? Yeah. Holy shit, dude. I still like tell people that story. Like, that's so funny. I, wow. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. That, that's how bad the psychosis well, you, was. You, you were like, they're going to draft Daniel Jones, aren't they? And I said, I fucking hope not. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, and here we are two and a half years later on the Daniel Jones experience with 11 passing touchdowns. In That's so funny that, that was you. You got a brand, Ethan. You're a noted, you're a noted character. Like, even yeah. my friends who, like, don't, like, do Twitter are like, why is your boss so, like, like that? And I'm like, I don't know. He, he He's a character. You got to mm-hmm. follow along for the ride. Yeah. The food takes, the Islanders. Watch out when there's a food take, people. That that, that get the timeline. I I will say before I get you out of here, last thing: your take about what you get with your nachos is right. It is. I absolutely agree with that one. And absolutely. honestly, like I would even take salsa off the list. Like it's there's enough going on where if you need spice, it just means you don't have enough spicy peppers on top. Okay. Uh. Refried beans, the unsung hero of, of a nacho platter. That sounds delicious. I'm very yeah. hungry recording this. Ethan, thank you so much for coming on. This Anytime. was fun. I am sure I will have you back in like three weeks when the Islanders <laughs> have lost the first five games in a row and they're about to play the Rangers in a doubleheader back-to-back because the schedule is set up for maximum misery yep. where it's going to be a lot of playing the same team two days in a row or day on, day off, day on. Not going to be fun in the slightest bit for a Ranger Islander fan. Yep. Having to play the Flyers, the Bruins eight times in three and a half months. Not great. Follow Ethan at Ethan GSN on Twitter. Follow the blog, Gotham SN. We do good stuff. I'm working on something right now, ranking the playoff contenders with a little bit of an analytics twist on how we're ranking them. That'll probably be ready to go hopefully by tomorrow. The podcast, the rest of this week is busy. Got a guest lined up for tomorrow and a guest lined up for Friday. Good time to be a sports fan. Lot to talk about. I'll see you guys probably on Thursday. Peace.